are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Worship the Lord together this morning and celebrate His goodness. You know, this is World Mission Sunday at BFC, and I'm really glad that you're here to share with us today. We are passionate about sharing the message of Jesus with this community and this city. In order to share the message of Jesus with other regions and other parts of the world, we formed two partnerships one in a small country in southern Africa called Eswatini, and the other we call the Navajo Partnership with the Southwestern Native American District. In both of these partnerships, our goal is to empower them as much as we can to come along beside them to help them share the gospel of Jesus where they are. And so our Eswatini Partnership has lasted now 13 years. And when you're in a partnership that long, friendships are formed, relationships are established. We stay in touch. When they hurt, we hurt. When they suffer loss, we suffer loss. This week, a 36-year-old man whom we love very much and feel very close to, whose name is Mongi Delamini, passed away of COVID-19. Mongi had a wife whose name is Toby, two young children, and a child on the way. And our hearts are just broken. I would say anyone who went to Iswatini with us has met Mongi and came to love him. A quite gentle, kind spirit. And so I thought since today we're focused on world missions, we should pause together and bow our heads and pray for his family. And so, Father, in this moment, we remember that in your word, you recently reminded us that you are the God who comes along beside us when we go through hard times, and you comfort your people. And so I pray in Jesus' name, God, 
that you would come along beside Mongi's family and his friends. And many of his friends are here in Oklahoma City. Would you touch their hurting hearts and come along beside them and comfort them as well? We thank you for the people that you bring into our lives. We are richer and we are better and we are stronger because of them. And Mongi has been one of those people in so many of our lives. Bless them today, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to answer me out loud, even if you're at home, online, okay? Besides Jesus, who is maybe the most compassionate person this world has ever known? Mother Teresa, that's where I thought you would go. Did you know that in 1950, think about this, in 1950, 70 years ago, she started what was called Missionaries of Charity. And here was the vow that they took to give wholeheartedly free service to the poorest of the poor. Now think about it. We're taking a vow that from this point on in our lives, we will give wholeheartedly free service to the poorest of the poor. She said she had an insight one time. She believed it was God speaking to her and said to her, what I want you to do is to leave the convent and I want you to go serve the poor by living among them. And so that's what she did. She gave the rest of her life living among the poor and serving them. And so although we know her as one of the most compassionate people who has ever lived and we know her for winning the Nobel Peace Prize, she never set out to do those things. In her own words, she had a simple goal and a very impressive strategy. And here's what it was. To help one person at a time. Let, let me share some of her words with you. Here's what she said. Mother Teresa said, I don't do great things. I do small things with great love. And small things done with great love will change the world. Often you and I think we want to do something big. We want to do something great. It may take a big budget. It may take a lot of planning. It may take a lot of people. But we want to do something great. And Mother Teresa said, yep, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do great things. I do small things with great love. And small things done with great love will change the world. Now, when she says change the world, she's got my attention because I often ask the question, how do you change the world? And here's her strategy. She says, never, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time. So I want you to look at my eyes for a moment because I want to ask you a heartfelt question. What would happen to this world that you and I live in if we adopted that strategy as our goal? To wake up in the morning and say, God, I've only got one thing on my mind today, and that is simply this. Can I help one person today? Just one person at a time. Mother Teresa believed that if you helped one person at a time, you could change the world. I believe she's right. Kevin and Melanie Medcalf are members of our church, and they became involved with our Navajo partnership a few years ago. And Kevin and Milani have come to understand some basic principles that Mother Teresa lived by. Small things done with great love.
can change the world. And, and what can happen if you just say, I'm going to help one person today? And so I want you to hear Kevin and Milani's heart this morning as they share how God has communicated these great truths to them. Good morning. I would like to tell you a story. It's about my good friend, Pastor Chris Davis. Pastor Chris is the heart of Nazarene mission work in Gallup, New Mexico. She is not Mother Teresa, but her dedication to the reservation where she serves would remind you of the stories you hear about Mother Teresa. In fact, she is known around Gallup as the Mother Teresa of Gallup. She is small but mighty. We've had the honor of working alongside Pastor Chris during each of our three mission trips to the Native American Reservation in Gallup. To know her is to love her. Her passion for the Navajo people is contagious. She is such a light in what can sometimes be a very dark and lonely place. We've been with her as she has fed the homeless and the addicted, praying with them in the streets. We have worshipped with her as she leads her small church congregation in Gallup, opening the doors for the local homeless population, rising early to make several trips into town to pick the homeless up in the church van. We've watched as Pastor Chris has reached out and embraced a small group of local children, mentoring them, taking them under her wing, teaching, encouraging, and loving on them. I believe that their lives will be forever changed because of the investment she has made in them. Kevin and I have also been with her as she has traveled to the reservations, showing love and compassion to the elderly and the shut-ins, supplying them with companionship, with food, and with the precious commodity of firewood. And speaking of firewood... I would have never guessed that God could use me and my chainsaw to help meet a need. On one of our mission trips to Gallup, New Mexico, I was able to work alongside Pastor Mike Brooks delivering firewood to some families living on the reservation. Those of us in this room today live pretty comfortably in warm houses, easily preparing our food at home. Many in Pastor Chris's world do not have electricity, therefore firewood is a huge need and a necessity used to heat their homes and to cook with. I realized that I could help by teaming up with Mike and Paul McGrady to cut and split wood here in Oklahoma to deliver to the people in need on the reservation in New Mexico. Since that time, many have contributed to helping cut and split firewood to deliver to the Navajo reservation. And not only that, but ultimately, we've been able to bridge, build a bridge of communication to share the gospel of Christ. As I have seen the passion in which people like Mike Brooks, Paul McGrady, Pastor Chris, and a host of others have for the people who live on the reservation trying to meet basic needs, it has encouraged Milani and I to live with the same passion for investing in the lives of others, no matter how small our part may seem to be. So when we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see that he spends a lot of time focused on meeting the needs of others. And as Nazarenes, that's our history, that's our foundation, that's who we are as Christians. And our only place 
in the mission to build the kingdom of God is to have a heart that is ready and available. See, when we're fully surrendered in worship to God, he will take us on an unbelievable journey. So our hearts surrendered plus God's plan always equals a changed world. Would you stand with me and let's sing this song of surrender when you know it.
2004, Rick and myself and our daughter Morgan went to Peru on a missions trip. And coming back from that trip, we decided we wanted to sponsor a child. And so we were given a little girl named Priscilla, who was in the second grade. And what we did for her provided school supplies, lunches, um, uniforms, and... Um, so it started out where she would send us letters and photos of herself and tell us about her family. And we sponsored her to about 2011. So I think at that point she aged out of the sponsorship program. I feel like, uh, just from what she would tell us in her letters, what we did for her provided so much and, and the blessing that um, we gave her she was so grateful for. Here's an example of one of her letters. Beloved sponsors, Rick and Annette, as always, it is my desire that you are enjoying the rich blessings of God and are happy. I am content for all you provide for me by means of your stipends, and I know that God is going to not forget all that you are doing for me. Now that I know you via photo, I know how lovely you are Thank God for you and for your generous heart. I'm sending a kiss and a hug to your two beautiful daughters, and may God bless you. Sincerely, Priscilla. Receiving those letters and hearing about her life and realizing what little she had and how blessed she felt made an impression on our daughters um, and on us, you know, feeling like that you're doing something for someone. So that lovely lady is the closest friend I have on this earth. We loved getting to participate in Priscilla's life. I want to ask you a question that you can't hand off to anybody else in the room. It's, it's just for you. And you have to wrestle with it. And you have to struggle with it. And the question is, do you believe in your heart that by God's grace, you have the potential of changing the world? I really want you to answer the question, not out loud, but in your own heart. Do you believe that by God's grace, you have the potential of changing the world? Did you know that most people would answer the question, no? No. I really don't believe I have that potential of changing the world. Who could change the world? Who could really bring about lasting change in the world? However, I think what happens is we find ourselves wanting to do something 
We want to contribute. We want to make a difference. But the need is so great. It's so overwhelming that we sometimes walk away ending up doing nothing. And then we live with tension because we know in our hearts that we were created to make a difference. God did not place us here just to consume resources, to eat and drink and sleep and take up space. But we truly were placed on this earth to make a difference. What if we begin to think with Mother Teresa today in this idea that I can help one person at a time? So let me share a brief story with you. Two years ago, I traveled to Eswatini by myself. Doug and Margaret Eaton were there, of course, and they picked me up at the airport. Manzini drove me to that little country. I remember one morning I got up and they picked me up and I got in their truck and we headed to a small village. There was a group of people at this church waiting for us and they were cooking lunch for us and we were going to spend some time with them. And I met the pastor. Her name was Sibangile. I think our names sound a little boring. What do you think? So Sibangile and I had our pictures made just standing there beside her little church. You might say, Rick, you don't have much in common with Sibangile. I mean, she pastors a very small church there in, you know, a small village in southern Africa. You pastor Bethany First Church, but you'd be surprised. We talked about how we study and plan for sermons throughout the week. We talked about how we pray and have concerns for our people. We talked about our respective visions for our church and its future. When I actually went and saw um, where she was living at the time, my heart was sad. She lived in a situation that was barely livable and barely sheltered. As you can see on the screen, her church had started building her parsonage, but it was literally just some block walls sticking up out of the ground. That's all that was there. And because of a lack of funds, they couldn't go any further. I remember before leaving her that day, I placed my hands on both of her shoulders and I prayed for her. And I asked God to use her in a powerful way. And then before we drove away, Doug and Margaret said to her, Sibangila, we were going to make sure that we're going to partner with your church and we're going to finish that house for you to live in. And so sure enough, less than a year later, the house was completely finished. And it is awesome, isn't it? It is just awesome. You can go ahead. I like it. I like to celebrate it too. So, so you may challenge me today and say, hey, Rick Harvey, let me tell you something, my friend. Bethany First Church does not have the resources, the manpower, or anything else that it would require to provide housing for every pastor in Eswatini. Because do you understand that when you become a minister in Eswatini, it is a vow to poverty. The poorest of the poor in that country are pastors. And I understand that. And you may even challenge me beyond that. You can't supply a house for every Nazarene pastor on the continent of Africa. I know, but let me say this to you. We were able to supply a house for one pastor. And so Mother Teresa says it this way. Help one person at a time. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians says this. Don't grow weary of doing good deeds. One of my favorite preachers, Andy Stanley, says it this way, and I want you to see the words as well as listen to me share them, okay? He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And so instead of just saying, I can't 
stop world hunger. He would say, could you feed one child? Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Instead of saying, I can't do it all. He's saying, would you do it for one? And, and here's what I believe. As we do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, we can change the world. We can certainly change it for that one person, and I believe it will change your world and my world too. And so I want us to consider this morning just a shift in our thinking. I want us to move away from thinking, you know what? I'm only one person. I want you to do away with that kind of thinking and say, I'm one person. And one person can make a difference in somebody else's life. I want you to move away from thinking to yourself, I can't do everything. And I want you to begin to say to yourself, I can do something. And I want you to move away from saying, I can't help everybody. And begin to think this morning, I can help somebody. That's the way that my friend Dr. Paul Rothwell thinks. In the 13 years that we've had the Swaziland Partnership, he has made 13 trips to Swaziland. 13 trips. And when he goes, he volunteers in the medical clinics there, seeing patients. Do you, know, do you know how many patients Dr. Paul Rothwell sees on a trip to Swaziland? He sees one at a time. In Mother Teresa's words, he just starts with one person at a time. And I want you to hear Dr. Paul's heart this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Sani Bonani Bonkosi. Welcome, friends. Uh, this is my story, but it is really your story. In October 2007, Pastor David Busick introduced us to the HIV-AIDS pandemic in Swaziland. He shared with us a sacred vision. We would establish global outreach teams and the Swaziland Partnership. I can remember sitting over on the west side that day, looking up at the stained glass images behind the platform. I focused on the panel that tells the story of Jesus, the great physician. At the top of that panel is a staff of Escalapius, the symbol of medicine. It was brightly illuminated that morning by the sun. I remember feeling at that time God pulling on my heart and speaking to me. Dr. Busick challenged all of us to pray and to give. But he said many of us would need to go. Uh, for me, praying and giving had been easy. But honestly, I'd always been too busy in my medical practice and was just a stuff of life to ever go on a mission trip. But at that time, I knew without a doubt that God was calling my name, that I needed to go. I was filled with excitement and wonder. I wanted to go. With tears in my eyes uh, after the service, I went up to Pastor Busick and said, Pastor, I need to go. Little did I know the impact that calling would have on my life at that time. When I first arrived in Swaziland, I noticed a large sign that said, Welcome to the kingdom of Swaziland. I felt at home. 
I felt at peace. Uh, any fear that I had of this unknown was overcome by a sense of joy. However, the next day when I visited the hospital and saw the deep despair, monumental needs, and loss of hope, I was heartbroken. I remember sitting on the edge of my bed that evening, openly weeping, which was unusual for me. This was just too much. How could I, how could we as a church, ever make a difference here? You see, years of practicing medicine and dealing with sick people and seriously ill people and dying and personal tragedy had left a heavy protective crust around my heart. But it was at that time that God took that crust away and I could feel compassion. The Spirit began to lead me in ways where I could see how we as a church could make a difference in this small, hurting land. I was energized in ways that I had never known. One highlight of that first trip was speaking to a woman with AIDS with her frail, slim body and sunken face as she spoke with us. She had an infectious smile. Despite her illness, she was working with the HIV AIDS task force. She was a Christian and stood in the afternoon sun telling us how good Jesus had been to her. I looked deeply into her sunken eyes and saw not deep despair and death but a bright shining light looking back at me I knew it was the eyes of Jesus looking back at me saying thank you for listening thank you for coming here Some of the most transformative moments in our life are when we just allow ourselves to be open to God's calling. So would you stand and join us in worship again and just consider what the Lord is calling you to.
Good morning, church. Back in 2017, when Doug and I raised our hands to volunteer, we had no idea that the Eswatini Partnership, led by BFC and the staff, through Barbie Moore, would develop like it has. That we would still be on board in 2021 wasn't even a thought. By God's leadership and grace, the partnership has completed many projects. Using allocated funds from BFC, from many other churches, individuals, Sunday school classes, as well as two foundations. We've come beside the Eswatini Nazarene Church and the institutions that we support. The list is long. Two preschools. Eight complete churches. Finishing and helping with four more church buildings. Building church furniture. Painting and sign painting projects. Restoration of the RFM operating theater. We drilled and struck water at the School of Theology. We've built a nurse's duplex. Two orphanages. Two church water systems. And we hosted and prepped for six visiting GO teams. We've also established a nationally recognized 5K race to build awareness for sexually abused women and to raise funds. And already there's a queue of church projects and a new nurse's house that we will do in the future. All coordinated and funded virtually through our, our assistant, Sibella. The most challenging and rewarding project by far is Haven of Hope, a rescue home for abused girls. We've talked and written about this so much, and we've had two funding events while we've been home to benefit the building of this place. The auction last September transformed some of the 50-year-old chairs from the BFC sanctuary into works of art to provide much-needed funding. And the current status is the HOH building is over 90% complete. All the plastering on the interior and exterior, the plastering on the guardhouse, and a large wall with security fencing all the way around, that's there. We're now presenting the opportunity for individuals and Sunday school classes, other churches and foundations to fund furnishings and equipment for the completed building. We've put a list on Facebook's Eaton Swazi journey to review the 14 rooms in the garden. Those are the options. We hope you'll visit that site often and see the updates. Haven of Hope is God's work. We have no doubt about that. The steps along the way have not been our doing. He did it again is a frequent exclamation as different partners have responded to the needs. Women and girls with this kind of trauma, for many years some of them, are not always easy to love. This must be a constant gift from God. Would you pray with us? Father, here we are in the midst of a grand worldwide display of brokenness. We feel like we're seeing Satan in full victory march, wrecking havoc on the human race on every front. 
This is no surprise to you, nor should it be for us. Our fathers and grandfathers before us have seen evil have its way for a while. But when they called on you and humbled themselves, they saw victories arise. They learned that fear and ineptness can be transformed into faith, courage, and strength. You, Jesus, have shown us this way. You gave it all for us through a painful, sacrificial path to win eternal victory, and we are so grateful. Today we kneel in humility, asking for additional strength, for additional energy, and for your wisdom. Give Pastor Chris the inspiration for another day of courage. Then after that, yet another day. Then another. As we stand with her and fill her van with supplies and her heart with encouragement, fill our cups with overflowing as we see our sister do battle and honor her calling as we honor ours. May the hungry children in Eswatini come to know you by being fed your word as well as their bodies. The battered, violated, and disrespected women who will find themselves transported to secure, warm safety at Haven of Hope. We lift to you for restoration and healing. Let us know how to do our part with your crystal clear leading. Lord, for us, all of us living our own challenging lives, Give us everyday stories of our choosing to be, go beyond the usual. Break us out of normal by making normal a new, higher commitment to living all out. All out with open arms, generous hearts, and focused eyes on the prize set before us. For that prize is all there is. The knowledge that someday we will be with you after doing your work on this earth we are filled with gratitude as we have been in your presence renewed and invigorated to use what you have given each of us to take it to the enemy Lord we address you in confidence today because you have made a way for us to live as your children taking your very name as our own Amen, Amen. You know, God has blessed us here at Bethany First Church with great leaders in our missions efforts. Uh, Dr. Barbie Moore is our global missions director. Ann Lopor is our NYI director. Paul and Dana McGrady and Mike and Darlene Brooks lead the effort with the Navajo Partnership. And Doug and Margaret are now starting their fourth year coordinating our efforts in Eswatini. Would you like to give God praise this morning for providing us good leaders? You know, on Friday, I met with a group of people who serve at Two Lakes, a compassionate ministry center just about two miles north of us. We have a pantry there. We have a free medical clinic there. We have other services that we offer to the neighborhood. And as I sat in the room and I listened to the stories being told, I realized they have a very um, impressive strategy. 
Do you want to know what their strategy is? (laughs) They seek to serve one person at a time. In the words of Mother Teresa, what if we just help one person at a time? Or in the words of Paul, in the book of Galatians, what if we did not grow weary of doing good? Or in the words of Andy Stanley, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's the approach they take. So if you challenge them and said, hey, let me just tell you guys something. You're not going to feed every hungry mouth in this city. They would say, no, but we can feed one hungry mouth today in the city. Or if you said to them, you're not going to meet every medical need for people who aren't insured in the city. They would say, no, but we can meet the medical need of one person today in this city. If you challenged Doug and Margaret Eaton, who just walked away and said, hey, Doug and Margaret, you guys aren't going to rescue every sexually abused girl in Eswatini. They would say, we know, but God might let us rescue one of those girls in Eswatini. And if you said to Paul and Dana McGrady, you're not going to be able to help every homeless person in Gallup, New Mexico, they would say, no, but we're going to help one. Or if you said to Mike and Darlene Brooks, you can't get firewood to every Native American who needs it on the reservation, they would say, no, but we're going to take it to one family. And so I think that's the way we have to think together today. Would you take a moment, if you are in the room, and find this card that's just under your uh, armrest in the slot there before you? And if you're online, would you follow uh, the web address that you see on your screen and go to this pledge card? So I would never ask you to do something that I would not do. Every year in January, I ask you to make a financial commitment above your tithes, an additional offering to support mission work around the world. And so my wife Annette and I have done this for years and years, ever since we were married. Every time that we get a check, every time that we get paid, a percentage of that money goes to support world mission work. And so every year we write where it says a total, we write, we write a number. And, and I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to consider doing it before you leave today. We have connect boxes at every door. You can drop that as well as your offering this morning into one of the red connect boxes. I want to have a conversation with some young families today. If you're parents of children... I want all of your attention in these next few moments. Historically, younger families have not given to missions like older families have given. I'm going to ask you to start today through a very specific way. At the bottom of that, you see a child sponsorship opportunity. You say, Rick, if I sponsored a child today, what would that mean? For $30 a month, only $30 a month. You would bring a child in Eswatini to one of our child development centers every day, five days a week. They would receive a warm meal. I have been there many times, and I've watched those children line up with their bowls, and they stand in a long line. And when they finally get to the front of the line, there is a bowl filled with beans and rice. And those children are so thankful for that meal. It gives them tutoring for their schoolwork. It gives them lessons, conversations about Jesus. It's a place where they are loved and cared for for the afternoon. 
And for $30 a month, you can sponsor a child. And so here's what you would do. You would go online to the web address. You can scan the QR code that you see on the screen. You can follow the web address there. You can even go to the lobby today. And there are people there waiting to help you. So here's what I suggest. You take your children with you. And you pick out a child. You look into the eyes of that child. And you make a commitment that says, we're going to sponsor you as you grow up. You'll get letters from them. You'll get pictures from them as they get older and older. And your kids can grow up with their kids. And so I'm just saying to you today that my family had this great opportunity of sponsoring a child when my girls were young. And it made a lasting impact on their lives and a lasting impact on the child that we sponsored. And so I'm asking you, if you have children, to consider doing that today. Did I hear a wolf? I like it. I feel the same way. I just feel like God is saying, hey, you guys, I'm not asking you to stop world hunger. I'm asking you to feed one kid. We can make a difference if we help one person at a time. And so today I pray that you make a commitment before you leave the room. Let's worship together. Come on, let's stand. Let's give God our very best praise. He's the God who brings us from death to life. And we have an opportunity to be a part of that mission. So let's sing it.
have a lot going on at our church, and we are so, so thankful that we have leadership that draws us to be pointed to missions. That's, that's what we do, is we tell people about the life-giving Jesus, the Jesus that brings people from death to life, dark to light. And so we want you to join us in 14 days of prayer for missions. You can catch us on social media. We'll give you a theme every day to pray through. We believe that when we unite, it just takes one of us doing one thing, that we can be world changers. We love you. Go in his grace and his peace. listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.